Christians need to read the Old Testament. So if you're in the wrong room, you are more than welcome to leave. Please go to the room you want. I will not be offended. Some of the other topics was like, man, why do I have to be talking at the same time? Can't we have like multiple sessions going on? So I could go to one and then also talk, but no worries. Um, now the reason why I wanted to talk about this, this question is because I know it's a question that a lot of people ask, especially students. I mean, it's a question that I asked even when in my, into my 20s and my early 30s. I was like, okay, really, I, I understand I should, but why? Or do I, do I really need to do this, you know? Um, and I also realized it, that this particular question about do you really need to read the Old Testament, it's a question that not many people are going to feel comfortable asking to their church. Or if they do ask, it's like, well, of course you do. And it's like, oh, okay, I'll never ask that question again. You know, so I always try to encourage, feel free to ask questions. I, there, are, there are no bad questions. So I'd rather ask you, I'd rather you ask the question than you not ask a question. So, all right, so I'm going to ask you all, but I'm going to start off this class asking you all a question, all right? So, what is a book series or a film series that y'all have enjoyed that has a definite story arc? Like, it's one continuous story over the entire series. So, the most, probably a very famous example that's a book and a film is The Lord of the Rings. The Lord of the Rings has a, it's a three- movie, three book story covers a whole arc and at the end of the third book there's a definite ending like it's not it's not going anywhere else okay so what's a so that's an example the Lord of the Rings trilogy it's one continuous story over multiple books multiple films uh, what's something that y'all have read or y'all have enjoyed or y'all have watched as movies that also kind of meets that criteria yes Abe Jurassic Park Jurassic Park I have only seen the first one, so is that, but that's a one continuous story over. Okay, great, great example. Awesome. Thank you. What's another, what's another one? Star Wars. Star Wars. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. that's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. Excellent yeah. example. I have seen those, so. Uh, what else? Oh, yeah. Harry Potter. Harry Potter, absolutely. Yeah, great, great books. I really enjoyed them. Uh, well, yeah, one continuous story over all seven books. Or eight films. So what else is an example? I thought I saw a hand in the back. Maybe I'm just a... You were going to say Harry Potter? Okay. Chronicles of Narnia. Chronicles of Narnia, yep. Yep, that's another good one. Absolutely. What else? Hunger Games. Hunger Games? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. One continuous story. Absolutely. Abe, you got another one? Percy Jackson. Percy Jackson, yes. Absolutely. These are all great examples. Okay, well, I have, uh, I have brought... Some of these books from these series as examples for y'all. So I did bring Mockingjay from The Hunger Games. I did bring Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows from Harry Potter. And I also brought The Return of the King from The Lord of the Rings. So I have a question for y'all. What do all these books have in common? They're all obviously they're all part of the series, but what do the Mockingjay Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows and the Return of the King all have in common. Yes? None of them are the first in the series. None of them are the first in the series. In fact, what are they? 
They're the last book of all three series. And they're usually the favorite book. Well, many people think these are the favorite book of the series. I didn't like this one. Number two was definitely the best. She was in the closet way too much in this book. But everyone else, people seem to sometimes like this book. But yeah, some people, some, many people think these are the best three of their series. Absolutely, but it's all the last of the series. Now, here's a question for y'all. If someone took, they had never done Return of the King, they had never done any sort of Lord of the Rings, and they picked up the Return of the King and read it. And they were like, oh, you know, they read the whole thing, did a really good job, they weren't skimming it. Could they enjoy this book? What do y'all think? Yeah, they could enjoy the book. Yeah, there's like um, good triumphing over evil. There's a lot of action, good plots, lots of stuff going on. But what would be the problem if this is the only book of the series they read? They would. So let's, let me hold on. Let me get up my markers. We're going to write down somebody else's answers. Yeah, go ahead. They wouldn't know the the plot that led to the that led to the book. Yeah. Like the events that happened in the past before the book that wouldn't, wouldn't actually right. be created. Absolutely. What no past events? Leading to book. Yep, great example. What else? If you, what else would be the problem of only reading the last one? You might not understand it. You might not understand as much, yeah. What about uh, the characters? Oh, so you only get the know the last part of the character, so a portion of who they are. Right. Don't fully understand characters or their motives. Like, wait, why are they doing this? I don't know. He's just beating the, the bad guy just wants to win. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or motives. All right. Even what else? From a Ooh, yeah, a good one. All right. Not as invested emotionally. All right. What else? These are all great answers. Any other thoughts? What are some other problems? You only read the last book of each series. Yes? And it's going to feel incomplete. It's going to feel a little incomplete? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how you spell Okay. All right, what else? Any other thoughts? You don't know how it started. You don't know how it started. Mockingjade to refer to District 13. In the last one, you're like, wait, was 
what's, what's the big deal about that? Okay, yeah. And no, you don't understand. It didn't even exist in the first book. And now it does. It's like the main point. Oh, my goodness. That was a very good part of that book. I didn't like least favorite, but that was a really good part. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those are all really any, any Any final thoughts about the problems of only reading the last books? All right. So, um, now, something to think about is that these are all great answers. Thank you all for contributing. Um, is that if you take a look at the Bible, the Bible, the New Testament in the Bible is only 25% of the entire Bible. It is literally the fourth book in a four-part series of books. Right? So because of that, many of the problems y'all gave for only reading the last book of the series, you're going to run into the exact same problems if you only read the New Testament and you don't read the Old Testament, the first 75% of the entire series. Yes, these are the best three of their series. The New Testament is the best. It is the final conclusion. It is wonderful, but you, you're missing out a lot if you don't read the Old Testament. All right, so uh, let's talk about some of these. Let's get some more whiteboard space. But, well, the first and obvious disadvantage to only reading the Old Testament or sorry, only reading the New Testament, is that the, the first books of, like, Harry Potter, Harry Potter 1 through 6, those are good books. And you're not going to read them? Like, those are really good books. In the same way, the Old Testament is full of people spilling their coffee. Do we have any napkins or anything? Oh. <laughs> sorry about that. A baby rag? Hey, <laughs> man, I got some. Oh, I got some. Oh, man, y'all are. Who knows? Well, I appreciate it. I'll use this. All right. I don't mind if I got plenty of those. Okay. Thank you. All right, so what are some of the t- stories in the Old Testament? So, just like how these other books earlier in the series are very good. They're just enjoyable books to read. What are some of the... There's also a bunch of enjoyable stories and books to read in the Old Testament. What are some of y'all's stories in the Old Testament that y'all really enjoy? Yes? Creation. Creation. Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorites. That's a really good one. What else are some other good stories in the Old Testament? Alice and Oh, yeah, that's crazy. That's such a good story. Absolutely. I love that one. Yeah. The Exodus. The Exodus. Oh, yeah, that's a really good one. What else? Yes. Um, Balaam. And, uh, Balaam. Oh, yeah. Talking to a donkey. Yeah, absolutely. Great story. Mm-hmm. Job. Oh, yeah, Job. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Rahab. Rahab. Oh, no, no, absolutely. Yeah, Rahab's a fantastic story about someone, a non-Israeli Believing in God. Wonderful. Yes. There was Samson. Samson. Yeah. Really good one. And what are some other old, good Old Testament? Oh, yes. What? Esau and Jacob. Man, that Jacob guy. Such a trickster. Such a trickster. Gotta watch out for him. Moses. What part of Moses? 
the whole story of how of his life from the beginning to you know when he began uh, to lead the Israelites mm, mm-hmm. out of Egypt. Yeah, it's Just amazing. The whole, everything. Right? Amazing story of redemption. God using a murderer yes. to lead his people out of slavery. Absolutely. What's some other good Old Testament stories that y'all like? Noah. Noah, very faithful, built the boat for a hundred years. Whew, that's a <laughs> that's a long attention span. When the Israelites left Egypt, when uh, in the daytime they followed the cloud, and the nighttime they followed the fire. That'd be so cool! Like, man, that would be an awesome thing to do. Absolutely. Any other good stories that y'all enjoyed in the Old Testament? Abraham a lot, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I personally really like. I know it's not commonly read, but the uh, the minor prophet of Haggai. Mm-hmm. It's a very good two chapters, very short, but it's a very good book about how a very in a short time span about how Israel did turn away from idolatry and turned to worship God and like hey and then they started being blessed again by God. It's like, oh, they actually, they actually listened to God this time. This is good. This is good. All right. So yeah, those are all fantastic examples of great stories in the Old Testament that are definitely worth reading. I mean, and that's what's great about the Bible is that the Old Testament, or the Old Testament in general, is full of good stories. It's not like, so okay, here's an example of what it's not like. So when my wife and I got married, I owned Star Trek, The Next Generation, the whole series on DVD, one of my favorite TV shows. And since she was trying to be a good spouse, she's like, okay, you know, well, I'll watch some of the things you like. I've seen some Star Trek. I'm a little interested. So I watched Miss Congeniality with her. She's going to watch some Star Trek with me. And I'm like, okay, are you sure you want to do this? You know, it's kind of, there's a lot. She's like, yeah, let's do it. I literally just skipped the first two seasons. They are not good. They're don't don't wait. If you're curious, don't waste your time. Start on season three. That's when it starts getting good. Um, and the Old Testament's not like that. The Old Testament is full of great things and good stories. You know that are just. There's reasons why people make movies. Hollywood makes movies out of the Old Testament. Is they're just good stories in general. Um, all right. Another disadvantage of reading only the last book in one of these series that y'all talked about is that you won't. Kind of like what you're talking about. You won't know the past events leading to this book. It feels a little, you don't know how it started, like why, what's going on. So, um, for example, I was in college. And when I was in college, the second Harry Potter movie came out. And one of my friends invited me, like, hey, let's go see what the second Harry Potter movie just came out. Like the whole, like most of the dorm was going. I'm like, I've never seen the first one. I haven't read the books. Is that going to be a problem? They're like, oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. So I believe them, of course. <laughs> and I enjoyed the movie. It was not a bad movie. I mean, I had fun. But there were definitely some parts where I just didn't fully understand it. So I was like, okay, hold on. After the movie, I was like, so let me get this straight. Harry Potter is a wizard. But his family is not wizards. And they don't want him to be a wizard but they're still sending him to wizarding school? How'd they even find out about wizarding school? They're not wizards. And they're like, oh, well, you know, whatever. And I was like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. But if I had read the first book or seen the first movie, it would have made a lot more sense. So likewise, when we're reading the book of Hebrews, and Hebrews is talking about Jesus being a priest in the order of Melchizedek, 
if you haven't read Genesis, you don't know who Melchizedek is. And even if you do know who Melchizedek is, you're like, I mean, I thought this growing up. I'm like, well, I mean, I understand why Jesus is being compared to Melchizedek. It makes sense, but it feels like it's a bit of a stretch. Like, there's a big jump from, from Genesis all the way to the book of Hebrews. And then, about a month ago, I read uh, Psalm 110 for the first time. And in Psalm 110, David states that his descendant, the Messiah, will actually be a priest in the order of Melchizedek. And the author of Hebrews is writing and saying, yes, David prophesied that this will happen, and here's all the ways that Jesus the Messiah met that. And now I understand. I'm like, oh, this makes so much more sense. The, the writer of Hebrews wasn't just making something up. We're trying to connect two way far apart dots. That, like, I guess you could do that, but I understood it now since I read Psalms 110. All right. The other kind of similar disadvantage is that um, <clears throat> the author is going to include details in the last book of a series that don't really make sense unless you've read the other books. So, you know, when, when Voldemort touches Harry Potter for the first time, and you're like, oh, he can touch Harry Potter. Oh my goodness, this is terrible. And I'm, again, I, I watched that scene, and I hadn't read Harry Potter, and I was like, what's the big deal? And all my friends are like, no, you don't understand. He's not allowed to do that. He can't do that. And I'm like, I didn't get the significance of that. In the same way, when Jesus is crucified, the book of Matthew includes the detail that the temple curtain was that separated the Holy of Holies was torn in two from top to bottom. And he doesn't explain that. He's just like, this is what happened. And he assumes that the reader understands this. And this is completely shocking, this, this little one-sentence detail he put in there. And unless you've read about the tabernacle, unless you've read about the work of the priest in Exodus and Leviticus, it just, you're like, you don't understand what exactly that means. And when Matthew includes Jesus' lineage and all the people that came before him, it's like, it's a genealogy. What does this matter? And it's like, no, 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 hold on. In 2 Samuel, God made this promise to King David that the Messiah was going to come from him. And this genealogy shows that that prophecy came true. It shows that God kept his promise. And again, it's just a detail that you don't see. Or when Hebrews explains that Jesus is the final sacrifice for all our sins, that statement makes way more sense if you've read the Old Testament and understand the sacrificial system. So, and... A further disadvantage of only reading the last book in a series is that you get to is that you get to understand the understand the characters better. So if you've only read the last book, you don't fully understand the characters or the motives like we've talked about. So, and this is probably the most important reason in the Old Testament the most important reason to read the Old Testament. You get to know God and God's character better. The main purpose of the Bible is to teach us about God and his motives. And not just Jesus, but all of God, all three parts of the Trinity. If you read the Old Testament 
and you get a good, it'll give you a good understanding of God and his character. And so when you start opening and start reading the book of John at the very beginning, and John says that Jesus is God. God came down in the flesh and became Jesus. And you begin to fully realize what that means. Like, wait, this is the God that created the universe? This is the God that parted the Red Seas? This is the God that made it rain bread for 40 years? And he's coming down in a person? Wait, but he's going to come down like in a human body? And he's going to get like cavities and have back pains and have ingrown toenails and have morning breath and have, you know, his siblings that don't like him. Like, how much did he give up to do all this? You really understand just what God the Son gave up to come down to earth and be born as Jesus. And how much he's intentionally limiting himself and being put in this fleshly body when he's doing this. Um, And you realize, like, if this is the God that came down, and this is the God of the Old Testament that loved his people so much and did all these amazing things for them, he must really love them if he's going to come down and be put himself in a human body to be with them. And... Again, kind of the last one I want to talk about, comparing the Bible or the New Testament, Old Testament to other books, is that, again, it kind of goes back to the motivations. It goes back to the idea of the Old Testament is full of God's motivations and understanding God's character. The Old Testament is full of just how much God loves his people. If you read the Old Testament, you see how God just and he has this massive desire to be with his people. In, the, in Genesis, we talked about creation. God is literally coming down and walking with the people, walking with creation. In the Old Testament, as they're wandering through the desert, God takes his tabernacle and he puts it right in the middle of their camp to be right in the middle of his people, not far away, not to exclude himself. Whenever you see... Uh, the people offering sacrifices and doing the sacrifices correctly, but not praying to him, not wanting to be with, not listening to him. He's like, I don't want these sacrifices. I want your hearts. I want to know you and be with you. The sacrifices, these works, are not the most important thing. It's your heart. It's me being with you and loving you and having that relationship with you that I value the most. So, and then because of all that, you understand why he's in Jesus why Jesus came to die for our sins, because you understand that this is perfectly in line with God's character. All right, I've talked a lot. I've given a lot of info. Do y'all have any more questions about what I've said? Or do you have any other comparisons that I did not talk about? So like I said, the ones I talked about were you don't know the past events or when they reference past events. So for example, we talked about the... um, uh, whenever you're, like, for example, whenever G, whenever Hebrews is talking about being in the order of Melchizedek, or the other thing I talked about was when the author includes details, like the ripping of the curtain. You don't fully understand what that means until you've read Exodus and Leviticus. I also talked about understanding the characters better. Like, when you read the Old Testament, you read... Here, hold on, characters. Where is that one? There it is. 
fully understand the characters or their motives. You understand, when you read the Old Testament, you can really understand God's character and understand God in general and his motives and his characters and his love for all people and why he was in Jesus to die for our sins. Are there any other questions or things that I, what could I do to explain better about this? Any thoughts? What are your opinions? What did I get wrong, even? Aaron? You really covered well. I have. Jeez. I'm just I'm thinking about people's, like, why they say they don't want to read the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Right? And, you know, the ending, right, or the New Testament is, is so much more exciting, they say. You know, where, mm-hmm. like, it's, the Old Testament's kind of dusty, or it's right. mm-hmm. old. And, you know, so just trying to find a way to convince people, like, no, you know, but if they don't. They don't understand it. They don't value it. You know? Right, right. So the kind of that reverse logic of, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't know I know something. Oh, yeah. Maybe you don't want to get into this. Maybe this is a little bit deeper than you want. But the, the reason people use for, quote, unhitching the Old Testament from the New Testament is they claim that the, New Te- the Old Testament is not a God of love. Mm. And Jesus is love. Mm-hmm. And they say that, that God is, you know, changes character somehow. Right. Even though we know God doesn't change, God is right. perfect, and mm-hmm. He is always perfect, always been the same God then and now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, and and that's one reason that's given for well, that's why we should just remove the Old Testament from the Bible. Right, right. And they they, they want to cut out the parts of God that they don't like. Right. Mm-hmm. And absolutely, and, you know. They want to remove God's wrath from a character that it, one of his characters, mm-hmm. characteristics, right? Which can't do, right? Because he can't do, unfortunately. He's perfect. He was perfect then. He's perfect now. He's added change. Right. You shouldn't cut out the parts of Harry Potter you don't like. No one would do that. I mean, you wouldn't take some exacto knife and like, well, I don't like, it. I don't like this part right here. We're just going to take that out. Oh, this page is gone. Yeah. Especially if this is a library book, I definitely want to do that. But um, yeah, that doesn't. No, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that. So. Maybe we'll get into this later, but the quote unquote lack of gospel in the Old Testament versus right. the New Testament. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? There's yeah. so much more value because our Christianity is the gospel. Mm-hmm. Right? We think Christianity, we don't think Old Testament. Oh, that's, right. that's Judaism. Right. And Christianity mm-hmm. is the New Testament. Right, exactly. And I mean, I don't, I'll get to that in a little bit, but I was just, these are all good, these are all very good points. Yeah, I have more points, but I, this is kind of the end of where you. Yeah. The, where you can compare the analogy between the New Testament and the last book of the series, kind of. Yeah. It's the end of this analogy. So I'll keep going, but that's very good points. So. Reinterpretation of, like, using the New Testament to reinterpret. Oh, yeah. That's a really good one, absolutely. All right. Um, so there are a couple other reasons why Christians should read the Old Testament that, again, don't directly compare to kind of like this analogy that I've been making between the last book of the series and the New Testament. So, the, one of them is that the Old Testament gives a lot of really good examples of how to follow the commands of Jesus in the New Testament. So, for example, the story of Jonah preaching to Israel's enemy of Assyria is a fantastic example of Christ's command 
to love your enemies. Because Assyria had already attacked Israel before. There's a reason why Jonah ran away and did not want to preach to Assyria. He's like, no, I don't want to do that. They're the enemy. They literally attacked us. It would be real world analogy today. It would be like a pastor from Ukraine going and preaching to the Russian troops that are attacking him and his family. That would, because he wants to see them saved. It's like, whoa, that's, first of all, that's extremely dangerous. You know, when Jonah goes to Assyria, they are literally the enemy. They could literally kill him. And second of all, like, no, I don't want them to, they're killing my family. I don't want them to be saved. They're horrible people. This is not what I want. Yeah, real world analogy about loving your enemies. Um, the Old Testament laws found in the Torah and also in uh, the Old Testament examples of what Elijah and Elisha did also provide fantastic examples of how we should care for the widows and the orphans of our society. The Old Testament Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, all the laws in Judaism show like God's care for the foreigner and the orphan and the widows and how the society of Israel was supposed to do that. So if God prioritized these things in these ways, then we should also prioritize those things as Christians. Uh, King David shows what it's like to follow God as a godly leader. Yes, he made big mistakes, but for the most part, he was a very godly leader and is a great example to other leaders, whether in church or whether in government or whether in any other places. Job shows us what it's like to be faithful in pain, to pick up your cross and follow God. What Christ asks us to do is like, pick up your cross and follow me. Okay, what does that look like? Go read Job, because Job did it, and it was incredible. Also, Esther shows us what it looks like to use your position in society to obey God and also protect the less fortunate. We are asked to, to love the outcast, to love the less fortunate, to love the people who are not in positions of privilege in our society. Esther did that. She did that by protecting the people who were going to be massacred in a few, in a few months. And also, there are also bad examples of what not to do. So, for example, Jacob shows us the problem of if you only favor one of your 12 sons, if you favor Joseph the most, all the family drama that's about to unfold by doing this and by showing your love for one particular family member the most. Um, <clears throat> when Christ gave a command in the New Testament, the Old Testament provides so many examples of how to do this. Because again, God is consistent throughout all 66 books of the Bible. This library of the Bible that contains all 66 books. God is consistent. So God, so you can use the New Testament and see how Christians are to ask, to act. And if you're like, well, I need an example of this. I don't quite fully understand what this means. Look to the Old Testament. Full of examples of what to do and also what not to do. Um, in addition to all these examples, 
Proverbs is full of godly wisdom about life. Psalms is full of examples of how to pray to God. How to pray to God when you're happy. How to pray to God when you're angry. You're just angry at the sin and the evil happening in the world. Like, the Psalms is full of these laments to God about why does this evil happen? Why am I in pain? Why I don't understand God? Help me understand. And finally, Jesus thought that the Old Testament was also very important. Jesus had to, Luke talks about Jesus learning and growing and understanding. Jesus had to study the scriptures. He didn't have the Old Testament. He only had the Old Testament. Sorry, he didn't have the New Testament. He only had the Old Testament. He had to study it. He, Jesus thought that it was very important. He would quote it back to the Pharisees when they had their debates. So if Jesus thought the Old Testament was important and worth studying and dedicating all these hours and years to studying, then we should also. So, in conclusion, I would say a Christian does not need, they don't need to read the Old Testament. It's not a requirement to go to heaven. You are not going to go to hell if you only read the New Testament, okay? So, sigh of relief. Uh, But, and you could read the New Testament over and over and over again to have a good understanding of what it means to be a Christian and have a good understanding of who God is. And we should count ourselves fortunate. We actually have all 66 books of the New and the Old Testament in English. There are many missionaries and many cultures today that only have one gospel in their language. And you can be a Christian. They read that one gospel over and over again. They only read Matthew or they only read Mark or whatever it happens to be. And you become, and then they listen to stories from the missionaries. And you can become a great Christian that way. There are very godly people who, have, who don't have the privilege that we have to have an entire Bible in our language. But, again, just like the problems of only reading the last book of Harry Potter or only reading the last book of the Hunger Games series, you, there, again, you have the similar problems of only reading the New Testament, of not reading the other 75%, three quarters of your Bible. You learn so much more about God and his character if you read both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the Old the New Testament makes way more sense if you also read the Old Testament and fully get into it and fully understand the references that the New Testament is making. And, again, the Old Testament is full of stories and full of examples of people that lived before us. And we can learn all those things from their lives and also learn from all the wisdom they carried down. Solomon was the wisest person on earth. He wrote down his wisdom in Proverbs. He wrote down his wisdom in Ecclesiastes. And he's so that we could understand it. David loved God and was a musician. He was, it's kind of an ironic thing now. He was a king, strong, a military leader. And he played the harp. Like, we don't think of the harp as being like a manly, kingly instrument. But he did it. And he wrote down the Psalms so that we later could go back and understand how he felt. We could go back and later, when he is being pursued by Saul and he's hiding in the mountains and he doesn't understand what's going on and he still wants to trust God, he wrote songs about that. He wrote songs and we can be in his shoes when he's doing that. All right. Are there any questions about any of these examples? Yes. Not really a question, but a comment. 
Yeah, yeah absolutely. You said in earlier that it's not a requirement of salvation to read the Old Testament. Right. Isn't that what theology is? Love for God? And are you willingly sinned because the Old Testament is God's character? God. So, like how we were talking about earlier, you're stripping down, you're taking away what you don't like when you make them. Am I getting it right? Well, what is no. required for salvation? What would you say is required to be saved? Mm-hmm. Right. My question is, even though there are some cases, like you said earlier, with missionaries, how they don't have it. For the believer who has both and refuses to read the Old Testament, is that a sin because they're refusing to read part of God's book? I, I would say that I would, but I would want to better understand why that person does not want to read the Old Testament. Fortunately, we can sin and go to heaven. Fortunately, we can sin and still be saved and still be a Christian. I understand. I am not saying that you should not read the Old Testament. It's just we say need, like you must read this. Like, no, 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 no. I don't want to add things to salvation. Now, should we read it? Absolutely. For all the reasons I've stated above. But I don't want to say, when you say need, need is a very strong word. Need means, well, you need to have God as your Lord and Savior of your life in order to be saved. That is what's needed. Not reading the Old Testament. I don't want to add to the gospel. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Does that make... I, I, I fully acknowledge I'm an engineer. I don't necessarily... We use words the best. Words are hard. Math is easy. If I could have, like, a chart that plots things, I would rather do that. But I can't. Not in this situation. So, But that's a very fair question. I understand. It just, again, people say, when, when someone comes to me, when, one, when someone, one of my kids comes to me, I'm like, Dad, do I need to read the Old Testament? I want to be as truthful as I can. And I want to say, no, you do not need to read it. But you should read it. It is very good to read it. And it's your Christian walk will grow tremendously, exponentially, if you do read it, but it is not a requirement for salvation. So, okay. was that yep. thumbs up, thumbs down? Okay, good question. I appreciate that question. Any other? Yes? How should we react to someone who doesn't uh, trust the Old Testament's credibility, you know, such as the Torah? Oh, okay, that's a very good question. So, my, my first, let me ask you a question. Is this a person a Christian or not a Christian? Let's say a non-believer. A non-believer. So, um... That's a very good question because that's a very hard thing to do. Um, I will say the New Testament, from a historical standpoint and from a document standpoint, the New Testament is much, much, much easier to validate because we have the manuscripts back to like 50 to 60 years after Christ was on earth. Like we have man, parts of manuscript from like 100 AD, and Christ died in about 30 AD. So we have those documents. So that is much easier to validate than the Old Testament because the Old Testament, Moses wrote the Old Testament. That was like 3,300 years ago. I mean, we don't have documents that are 3,300 years old. Now, having said that, the New Testament is very easy to validate. And it's much, I should say, rephrase it. The New Testament is much more easy to validate the historical accuracy of the New Testament because we have documents that are that old. 
And once you do that, and once you see it, and once you understand, okay, I can trust the New Testament, you then look at Jesus' life and say, well, Jesus was able to trust the Old Testament. Jesus put a lot of his weight in the Old Testament, and he was able to say, no, this is God's word, this is authoritative, and we need to believe it, and I'm going to, and as Jesus, I'm going to study this. And at that point, you're like, okay, that's the bridge that I normally take with that. Because we don't, we have old things, like the Dead Sea Scrolls are very old documents, and you can see how little has changed from the old Sea Scroll, the Dead Sea Scrolls, to our modern translations. But even the Dead Sea Scrolls are only from around the time of Jesus. That's still 1,000 to 1,500 years before, uh, after Moses wrote it originally. So we just don't have that information. Does that, so again, Jesus and New Testament are much more easy to historically verify. And using that as the first point, we can say if Jesus had trust in the Old Testament, we should also have trust in the Old Testament. We good? Ben, can I explain it better? Yes. Do we have, I can phrase this. So we know that Jesus trusted the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. How do we know that the Old Testament for us hasn't changed since Jesus had it? Good question. So that kind of goes back to the Dead Sea Scrolls. Like, again, the, and you can see that, especially in the book of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, between about the time of Jesus from the Dead Sea Scrolls to what we have today, very little has changed. I think it's like 99.5% of it is the same. And the, the 0.5% that did change, it's like commas yes. and missing, you know, it's like taking we're not to, or we are not to, or whatever, conjunctions are hard, I don't remember. <laughs> Do not to don't. Like it's very, you're not changing the theology. And what's also fantastic is that if you open up your Bibles, and you look, and they have like those little, you know, you often see, like, in the book, you'll see, like, if the words don't, they'll put like a little one up here. Uh-huh. And then on the bottom, you'll see the one, and it says, some translations, some translations say do not. Right. Like, they include it. Like, hey, we've seen this. It's some manuscripts put do not instead of don't. And we're going to make sure we include that. So they're trying to be, they're being very open about these things. So if there are any discrepancies, if there are any errors that have changed, you put them in there. And you take a look, you're like, oh, there's no theology that changes because of this. So does that, that help? Good question, though. Any other questions about what I've, these are all fantastic questions. Any other good questions or any other questions that y'all talked about? I just point out that it wasn't just Jesus that trusted the Old Testament. It was the apostles and their, and their writings. I mean, Jude mm-hmm. Jude heavily relies upon the Old Testament to form his basis. Oh, Jude. That's like a dense <laughs> piece of fudge that you just have to take small bites. It's a lot to take in at once. Absolutely. All right, so let me ask you all one more question. One more question. If someone said, you know what, I really, really enjoy reading The Return of the King. I only, this is the only one I read, but I really enjoyed it. What would you think 
if they didn't want to go back and read the other two books. Like, I really enjoyed this one. I haven't read the other two. But you know what? I really don't want to go back and read the first two. And he's like, well, don't worry. The other two books are good. They're not like the first two seasons of Star Trek The Next Generation. They're really enjoyable. You should go back and read the first two books. And they said, ah, you know, I really don't want to. Like, what would you, what would your response to that be? Or pick any book. You know, I really led, I really enjoyed the seventh book of Harry Potter. I, oh, yeah, what did you think of the first six? Well, I didn't read the first six. Oh, well, when are you going to go read the first six? Ah, you know, I really don't want to. Like, what would y'all's response to that be? What would you think of that? What would you say to that person? You're missing out. Yeah, you're missing out. Like, hold on, hold on, time out. Time out, time out, time out. What other... What else would y'all say to that person? What other what question would you have for that person? Being lazy. Are you being lazy? <laughs> you don't want to put in the effort. You don't want to put in the effort. Yeah, what else would you say to that person? Yeah, that'd be my like, hold on. Are you sure you like this book? Because if you liked it, you'd want to read the other books. You know, it's like this, it'd be like kind of this weird. Again, it's like that doesn't. You say you like it, but you don't want to read the other ones. I don't. What? I like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, again, that was kind of, that'd be my takeaway. I would really start to question, like, okay, did they really like that book? Are they saying it to be nice? Like, I gave it, like, oh, you're just trying to be nice, you know, don't want to hurt my feelings. So, so in the same way, if a Christian has been a Christian for a while, they're not brand new, they're not a new Christian, but they've been a Christian for a while and they don't want to read the Old Testament, I'd really want to have a conversation with that person, you know? I would be concerned for that person. I'd be like, okay, hold on. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to come out and condemn you, but I, I am curious, like, what is going on? And I want to understand why you don't want to read the Old Testament. I mean, maybe because, maybe because it's intimidating. Maybe because there are some scary parts in there. God can be very scary in the Old Testament. Like, like, whoa, okay, hold on. That's terrifying. Uh, maybe it's because some parts are really boring, like Leviticus. Oh, <laughs> uh, Leviticus, you're just so dry sometimes. <laughs> Every many, many, a good, I'm going to read the Bible in a year, and you hit Leviticus, and you're like, oh, what is going on? Uh, oh, man, yeah, poor Leviticus. Or maybe it's just because the person never really thought about it. It's like, oh, you know, oh, I never really thought about it needing to read the Old Testament. Jesus isn't in the Old Testament. And of course I say, hold on, time out. That's not correct. God the Son is in the Old Testament. You just got to know where to look. Um, but whatever the reason, I, I would, I, whatever the reason that that person had, I would I want to have a conversation with that person. And I want to encourage that person to read the Old Testament. And just for y'all too, whatever your reason, if, if, if that's in your situation, if you just don't read the Old Testament very much and you don't, you don't necessarily enjoy reading the Old Testament, uh, I'd encourage you all to start reading it more. And if you don't know where to start, again, don't start in Leviticus, please. It's very dry. But talk to someone at your church. Talk to one of your leaders. Talk to one of your pastors. Talk to one of your elders. And I'm sure they could provide a good place to start reading the Old Testament, to kind of dip your toes into it. There's so many good things in the Old Testament and especially if you're just wanting to do it, just kind of wanting to get started, we can really talk to you about where you can start doing that. All right.
we got about five more minutes. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then feel free. I want to make sure y'all get out in time and work on your cheers and, <laughs> and all that jazz. Uh, so, but if you have any questions, feel free to come afterwards and ask. So, let's pray, Lord. Or let's pray. Uh, Lord, you are amazing. And all 66 books of the Bible tell us that. Uh, thank you for providing the entire Bible to us so we can better understand your love and your compassion and your desire to be with us. Just everything you gave up to come down to earth and be in a body. Help us to give that desire and humility to read all of your word, not just the New Testament. Even when we're tired, and even when reading can be really hard, and even when the words on the, on the page are confusing, help us build that desire for your word inside our hearts. And help us to talk to others about our questions of the Bible. And our, sometimes, again, it can be hard. The Old Testament can be confusing. But Lord, give us the courage to ask those questions. And Lord, when people ask us those questions, give us the courage to sit down and not dismiss it and grow that relationship and grow as a community so we can all be closer to you. And just, Lord, thank you for these fantastic students. Thank you for their contributions. Thank you for their questions, not just in this class, but in, in all the sessions we've had. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Thank you all very much. Good luck on your cheers. I hope your cheers all, I hope your cheers all say how awesome Bowser is. Because we're in last place and we could use the help. <laughs> but yeah, thank you all very much.